coffee. What is it about coffee that makes it so damn good? Maybe it's the smell of coffee brewing that brings back that new to recovery feeling that we got when we first stepped into a meeting. Maybe it's the idea of holding on to one of the only things that still works for kickstarting our day. Maybe it's the way it brings us together, another one of the many things we have in common. Whatever it is, we in the recovery community love our coffee. And why not? Coffee is fuel. Coffee is love. Coffee is life. That's what makes Brainwash Coffee the perfect partner for us here at the Other Side of Hell podcast. Not only is every flavor of Brainwash Coffee mastered and handcrafted by obsessive minds who won't stop until they've gotten it just right, but 50% of all coffee proceeds go back into the recovery community to help those who may still be suffering, which makes Brainwash Coffee a no-brainer. My personal favorite is the higher powder. It's dark, smoky, and rich, and gives me just enough kick to really get into my day. Right now, you can go to brainwashcoffeeco.com and use promo code OTHERSIDE for 20% off your coffee purchase. Clean your bean with Brainwash. We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, world? I'm Willie. And I'm Cameron. And I'm an alcoholic. Yes, you are. And I just got to remember that on a daily basis, and I can't do this shit alone. Oh, I like that. So I'm glad you're here with me. Yeah, thanks for being here for glad me. Glad for everybody that's tuning in. It's good to be in the studio. I always need this when it comes. So Me too. Thanks. Have you ever had those moments where you're like, man, I don't want to do that today? Yeah, like every, every, every time. Every time. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. And then, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like you do it anyways, and then you're like so glad you did. Yeah, or I get some feedback from somebody I wasn't expecting, you know, that gets value from the show, and it's like, okay, we're, we're doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah we're doing okay. We're right doing thing. better than we think we are. Yeah, so it's good stuff, man, you know. Great stuff. Yeah. How you doing? I feel pretty good. Yeah. <clears throat> I just had to cough there for a minute. Are you sick? I think, uh, I think uh, no. Oh, good. I just had this weird tickle. You ever get that? Yeah. A little tickle. A little tickle. A little tickle so, in your throat. This episode is an exciting one for me because the story that we have is like a huge uh, presence in the online recovery community that is, is present within us. You know, we got Marty's war story. Marty. In the house. Dude, I want to just say like uh, Marty um, was super great. And, uh, do you, do you think Willie, and I think we'll get a chance to get into this a little bit more, but do you think Marty coming our way was in any way, uh, sort of divine intervention? Uh, divine, yeah. Divine coincidence, divine intervention, call it whatever. God, a God shot. A God shot. Do you think yeah. it was a God shot? Uh, I think it was pretty crazy the how it all came around. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think so. so too. Like, I'm excited to to kind of share that. Lots of coincidences, you know. And and he mentions right at the end, like you know, his and I, you know, mine and his path, how, how they crossed in the past and kind of come around full circle today. So super crazy, pretty great, and, and which what? which is great because you know, uh, out of his story, you know, listening to his journey 
reminded me of how important sponsorship is and i thought that it would be a great idea to talk about it because i don't think we have we haven't covered it as a topic i mean of course sponsorship and the importance of sponsorship gets brought up um often because it's such a Mm -hmm. huge part of of our programs and and some of the stuff that we do here but we've never devoted an entire episode to it and i think that it's a good idea yeah for sure So take it away. (laughs) All right, here I go. So sponsorship, right? It's basically this guy who knows some stuff. He's smarter than you, and he's going to tell you a bunch of truths that are hard to swallow, and you just got to do that shit. Yeah. That's it. That's it. All right. Good show. All right. You're worth the work. Good show. Shortest episode 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 ever. (laughs) No, yeah. I mean... Like, I, I dare say that I would not be anywhere near where I'm at had it not been for a sponsor taking time, you know. And I think that's the first sacrifice that sponsors take is, you know, they they go out of their way to, to bring the message of hope and the program, whatever that is, you know, you know we, we practice a 12-step program. But, you know, whatever the program is that you, you're trying to, in, you know, like get into your life. You know, the sponsor is going to take time out of their life to come and show you the way that their sponsor or mentor or whatever, show them how to get to where they're at. Right. Mm-hmm. And we usually are attracted to that person some way, somehow. Yeah. Usually we see things in their lives that they are doing that uh, or they're they're able to manifest um, that that we want in our lives. Yeah. You know, so I think it is sort of an attraction. Yeah. Rather than a promotion. Usually, yeah. I mean, there's something there. I've I've heard stories of people that their sponsors pick them, but that doesn't seem to be the the norm. And that's not my experience. It wasn't mine either. Yeah. Like, I never had a guy come up to me and be like, "I'm going to be your sponsor." I've heard yeah. I've heard of that happening, but you know, for me, it was some some discomfort, but like an inside calling, saying, you know, when when you come to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous or uh, you know, the like, something like that, you know, sponsorship is brought up and it's suggested because, um, that's usually somebody that has walked through the program already. Right. And so we go to, go to a meeting or go to the space and they're talking and, and we hear him say something that we relate with. We're like, Oh fuck, I can relate with that. Mm-hmm. You know, I know how that feels. Like mm-hmm. that guy's talking my language. And then we get this uncomfortable calling inside of us. Like, Hey, Willie, you should, you should go talk to that guy after the meeting. I don't want to go talk to that guy after the meeting. But the calling gets greater and greater and greater and, and you know, go up and talk to him and just lay it out usually like, fuck, you know, and then they invite you to coffee or whatever, you know, did the, it, the case may be. Let me ask you, did it feel, did it feel to you a lot like asking out like a first date? Yeah. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable. It's like it's 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 uncomfortable. And in a way, it's you are embarking on a new relationship. Absolutely. Like it's it's a big deal. Absolutely. It's absolutely a big deal. Like because in in my case and in your case um, now, like this is somebody that you talk to on a daily basis. Uh And so you're you're building a relationship that is unlike any other relationship that you will ever have. Mm-hmm. And so of course, like you want that person to be the right person. Sure. And, and you want, you, you definitely want to pick somebody that has what you want. And so, yeah, you ask this person, you might go to coffee, 
try and discuss similar likes or dislikes. Tread the water. Yeah. Give a little bit of information. Make sure that you're not going to be rejected too harshly. Right, right. Because you know the rejection's coming, right? (laughs) At least I doubt it. I doubt it. The first time I asked somebody to be my sponsor, they told me no. Yeah? You know, and that that happens. And I don't think it was anything personal. It was just that this person already had quite a few sponsees and, mm-hmm. and, you know, just wasn't in a position to take it on. And so, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm totally okay with that because, you know, that I wouldn't yeah. have the sponsor that I have now. And I have such a great relationship with my sponsor. And yeah. So, your sponsor's great. He was actually on the show. Yeah. Yeah. And so Ben was on the show episode eight, episode eight. Yeah. He was great. And, and so, I mean, when we embark on this thing, like, like ultimately, like you said, they, they have something that that we find attractive. And so, uh, it's kind of, you kind of go through like an interviewing process, I guess, just, just kind of go and you interview each other. Right. And, and they'll usually, you know, sponsor will usually lay out a few ground rules. You know, for me, one of the things that, uh, I always say when I'm going to go in and work with a guy is like, I'm not going to work on this harder than you, mm. but I will work on it as hard as you. You know, so whatever you put in, I will match. And um, I've been through quite a few guys. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And I've been through quite a few sponsors. You know, my first sponsor that I ever had, I got, ooh, it's going on almost 20 years ago. You know, my very first sponsor. And I, I just wasn't ready then right. to, to, to go as deep as I needed to go mm-hmm. to, to gain long-term sobriety. I, th- I ended up getting like three years at that time, but not with that same guy. Cause I moved around and that's one of the things that happens, right? Like move from one city to another and might, might need to gain a new sponsor, but it's kind of the process is about the same. Go to a meeting, look for somebody that you, that has what you want, ask that person to coffee, you know, approach them. Most, most people in meetings are pretty approachable. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And so, uh, you know, but we started the step work. The step work was always really um, attractive to me. Well, and that's what sponsorship is, right? It's, it's somebody that will take you through the steps of, in, in Alcoholics Anonymous, it's somebody that will take you through the steps mm-hmm. of AA um, as they have already gone through the steps. Yeah. So the steps were always attractive to you? Uh, the steps well, the, themselves the, pay, the, the payoff right, like the seemed seemed yeah. pretty attractive. Right, like right. the freedom that seemed to come from them was pretty attractive, but the work to get there was was never really appealing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I dare say I didn't want to. What's the, the the big book of AA talks about? Nobody likes the self leveling of pride, the honesty. Um, I, I can't ever quote it verbatim, but you know, nobody nobody likes that deep level of introspection that it takes in order to clean house, man. It's uncomfortable as fuck, especially right. going into it with another person. Yeah. But it, I mean, we, we've all found it now, at least at this stage of the game, like in, and like you said, we were able to see that the people that had done that and been through that discomfort and, and taken those steps and work that process had something that I didn't have. Right. right. Like it was clear that they, they were able to, I don't want to say move through life with ease, but what I want to say is like they were able to feel comfortable in their own skin. And mm-hmm. I was definitely not there yet. Yeah. And, and that's probably the biggest thing. I want some of that. Give me some of that. <laughs> yeah. Cause I didn't, I didn't have that. I didn't even know it was possible. Right. You know? And that was what I saw in a sponsor was, was somebody who was willing to 
talk openly and honestly about the things that I had, you know, still just a, a, a lot of shame around. Mm-hmm. And it was somebody that, you know, that was, uh, was going to take me through that process that they went through so that they could talk openly and honestly about that stuff. And they could look back and laugh yeah. and they could, you know, um, gain value from their experience and, and, and help others with that, with that knowledge. And, and that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember this last, this last go around when I, when I first met Tom, I had a huge problem with the word sponsor, like, you know, because I had a huge problem with authority and, um, I just felt like, I felt like having a sponsor was like having a babysitter or something. You know, I had this weird, um, resistance to having a sponsor. I wanted to work with a guy and I wanted to, to be able to do the program cause I wanted to stay sober. There was a strong desire to stay sober and what I'd been doing before with, with light step work, you know, the middle of the road, the middle of the road, a, yeah. like, like sitting on the fence with a, with a bunch of stuff. I wanted the long-term sobriety that comes along with everything that I'd heard in meetings. And, uh, for some reason when, when the word sponsor came up, like it, I just cringed about it, you know? And I, and I think that's a, a huge misconception. And it's something that people need to truly understand is that a, a sponsor is a fucking NAA or NA or, or OA, you know, a sponsor is another person just like you, right? You know, they're not above or below They're a fucking alcoholic or drug addict or food addict, just like you are that have found a daily reprieve based upon the, the maintenance of their spiritual condition through work in the program of the 12 steps in which they're involved. And so, um, when I got with Tom, I was like, dude, ah, fuck brawl, brawl. I don't, I don't like the sponsor word shit. <laughs> He's like, I don't give a fuck. You can call me whatever you want. I'm like, can I just, can I just call you bro? He's like, yeah, you call me whatever, call me, call me bro. And, and, and that worked for a while. Right. And then he was like, you know, give me a call. And, uh, I gave him a call and, and most of the time it's just like, you know, we had Charlie on here. He was talking about, um, sponsorship a few episodes ago. And, and, and it was just like he said, you know, most of the conversations that we had were like, Hey man, I'm just, I'm just calling to practice calling, checking in. Yeah. Just, uh, everything's good right now. I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, that I need anything necessarily. I just want to practice this continual conversation with you. And then we would set up times to meet and we would go meet and, and he would take time out of his life and he would meet me and, and share his experience through step work with me. You know, Mm -hmm. this is what my sponsor did Mm -hmm. with me. And this was the end result of it. Yeah. I I like that. Yeah. I mean, I like it too. And I think for me, one thing, one thing that's helpful for me to remember and not because, because there's a lot of instances where you can quickly talk yourself into, or I, I guess me, like I was able to talk myself into being a pain in the ass. Like, no, I don't want to call him and bother him with sure. this. You know, like I don't, I don't, sure. I don't want to you know take him away from the, the things that he has going on for my stupid bullshit, mm-hmm. you know? And one thing that was helpful for me was to remember that this is a part of his program too. Like right. part of his program is to 
give back, right? Sure. To, to share the message with, with those who need it. And so, um, you know, it's part of his program to be a sponsor, just like now it's a part of my program to be a sponsor, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, I had to think about that when I would pick up the phone to call, you know, um, a lot of times. Like, for me, it was super helpful um, because the first sponsor I had was not somebody that wanted me to call him every day. And so I did only call him when I had certain situations. And and I was able to do that a couple of times, you know, but, the, but it became harder um, to do that because I wasn't used to calling him and talking to him all the time. And I felt like, okay, is this something I talked to my sponsor about? Is it not something I talked to my sponsor about? Like it was difficult to know, but then eventually I moved to a different area. I got a new sponsor and this sponsor was like, call me every day, dude. And so now it's like, I know I have that phone call. I've got to make every day, regardless of, of whether I have something, to talk about like something substantial to talk about or not. And so for me, it works better to, to make that daily call Yeah, because I'm going to talk to him no matter what. I might as well talk to him about what's going on. Sure. You know, like what's really going on now. Yeah. I suffer from the ism, man. Yeah. And some days it's fucking strong and it's, it's good to let your sponsor know that you're suffering from that because you know, then it helps with that accountability of, of you maintaining your spiritual progress through working this program of honesty, right? Like, like it's, it's really easy to get lost out in the fucking weeds with negative Mm -hmm. thinking, man, Mm -hmm. you know, especially being an alcoholic and, and, and being sober and having a life with all these responsibilities all of a sudden. And then, uh, having, having the ism thought, for no apparent reason, everything's going well, and I want to burn my fucking life to right. the ground. Yeah. Right? Everything's good. Mm-hmm. Almost because everything's good. I want to burn my fucking life to the ground. And if, if you maintain that contact, you know, quite regularly, um, you know, you can get to the point where, like, he can hear it in your voice, even if you're not thinking about it, and help drag that out of each other. And, and sometimes you'll be a sounding board for them, but that that relationship grows through maintenance right Mm -hmm. like it grows through you know trying uh to you know just just adding vulnerability to it and that's that's the beauty of it man the the more you spend time in the trenches with each other the more you can rely on each other and and trust that whatever their counsel is, is is beneficial to you and you can grow from that and and be a little bit safer you know it's like a little good insurance, you know, and you can learn a lot about yourself by sharing it with another person, using them as a sounding board and trusted person to, to just not judge you, but kind of guide you through your thinking, you know, cause they have it too. Oh yeah. Of course they do. Yeah. I mean, and, and honestly, <laughs> like it's been, I, I actually really, really appreciate, you know, times where I'll talk to my sponsor and he'll start talking to me about things that he has going on. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate it for a couple of different reasons. One is that I, I like knowing that it's a mutual relationship, right? That we're both benefiting and that he knows that he can talk to me, you know, just like I know I can talk to him. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that about it, but it reminds me and teaches me that I still have to be honest and vulnerable, right? Like, I've still got to open up to those people. And so 
then I can turn around and with my sponsees, I can say, okay, like it's okay for me to show that side of what I've got going on. Like, you know, I don't have to be perfect for these dudes. Like, even though these people have asked me to be their sponsor, like they, I can show up and say, yes, I can be your sponsor, but just know like, this is all a part of the deal, right? Like I'm still going to have these moments where I need to talk to another alcoholic and sometimes you'll be that alcoholic, you know? (laughs) And so it's a mutual relationship. And so I appreciate that my sponsor talks to me and it, and it reminds me that I can talk to my dudes too, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Hey man, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit today. Like, you know, like I kind of got this going on or that going on and, and I appreciate you calling me because that's what's happening today. Yeah. It, the, the relief is coming through our conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I love that you brought up, you know, I don't have to be perfect in this thing because I know for me in my head, that's all I want to talk about. Right. Is the good shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, me too. I'm crushing it right now. I'm good. Let me tell you how great my recovery is. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you how sober I am right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, sobriety is not drinking, you know. There, there, and we've talked about that. There's a difference between being sober and, and recovery. You know, those two things are different. You know, I want to be in recovery, which means I want to consistently be working on myself, becoming a better person, getting rid of behaviors that are are damaging to myself and, and my loved ones and my community and the world around me. And a lot of times just being able to discuss that stuff helps. Um, also having somebody that can remind me that I need to put pen to paper, Mm. um, read the literature, show up for, you know, the newcomer myself going to meetings, you know, doing the program as it was when it was so important for me to get sober, right? Because I'll, I'll get into places where I forget that the basics are really still important, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. go to a meeting, share what's on my mind, look for a newcomer you know, discuss the program, work the steps, share my progress, all those things, all that stuff will build a a relationship unlike any other, you know, and being able to do that with an individual on such a deep level, you can't buy it. You know, you can't buy this shit. You can't sell this shit. No, you, you, you can't. And like, as you were, as you were talking about that, it was making me think, you know, I, there's, there's sometimes where, you know, I turn to a sponsor, my sponsor, and, you know, he'll tell me shit that I don't want to hear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like, and that's, that's the thing is like, it's, it's, it's not a friendship, right? I mean, it is a friendship, but it's, it's, it's not like any other relationship you've ever had. Right. In my experience, like my sponsor is my AA sponsor. And that was one of the things that he told me that I, again, it passed on when I get with my dudes is, you know, I'm not your marriage counselor. Oh yeah. I'm not your financial advisor. Yeah. Like I'm your fucking AA sponsor. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's what we do. We, we talk about AA and we help each other and support each other and work an AA program. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, there's times where, you know, did you, did you go to a fucking meeting? Like, have you reached out to, to any new guys, like, you know, and all this shit. It's like, fuck, no, I haven't, I haven't, you know, gone to a meeting. I haven't reached out to another alcoholic. Like I haven't done these things. So of course, like that's going to be the solution, you know, or sometimes they will get me to see my part in things, which I don't always want to look at, right. you know? but that's like one of the biggest 
benefits that I've gotten from a 12-step program is to see that I'm not the victim, right? Yeah. Like, I, I actually have a part in, in everything that happens to me. In all these resentments that I've ever built, I have a part in that. And so, you know, sometimes I don't want to look at that. Yeah. And a sponsor's role is to, to help me navigate that area and those territories so that I am not holding on to things, so that I am, like, better able to, again, help others, right? Yeah. So um, I can show up as the best version of myself with the help of somebody that's been there before so that I can, again, share that with somebody new. And, and, and you know, the thing about sponsorship, too, I think is important is that it's not exclusive to AA, right? Like we've heard this in almost every self-help, anything that I've ever listened to. Mm. Like they express the importance of, of having a mentor, like somebody that has the, what you want, somebody that has been through what you're going through, that you can ask to assist you, that you can rely on and turn to and ask questions to and, and, and seek guidance from. You know, and I've done this in my career. I know other people that have done it in, 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 you know, their careers and have people that they can turn to and ask for help. And, uh, so it's, it's absolutely beneficial and in, in, especially in recovery, it's crucial. Yeah. So, I mean, when we talk about sponsorship, it's, I think that, uh, you know, one thing that I just want everybody to be aware of, um, is that if you don't have a sponsor, you're, you're missing out on something that, you know, like you can't find any other way. Right. It's the only way to get this specific relationship. And, you know, what did, what did we decide? Like 84%? Yeah, I think I read, I, I wish I could, like the, the, the website that I was reading these facts off of, but you're 84% more likely to have long-term sobriety, which is, again, defined as five to seven years or longer right. with the work of a sponsor, with the help of a sponsor is 84% higher. And 84% is a huge number. Yeah. That is absolutely insane to me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a fact check, like an official fact checker, you know? So, I mean, you might go online and look it up and it say something different, but the article that I read, uh, said that and and I know that for me personally once I got with a guy and got serious about utilizing him as his role as a sponsor everything changed mm -hmm. you know when I was when I was able to finally humble myself to the process of recovery as it was outlined by everybody that was successful in the meetings go to meetings get a sponsor work the steps find a service position help the newcomer like those in that order like it seemed like once i was willing to do that uh everything changed everything up i i started recovering nice right and i started having a relationship not only with him but with myself mm -hmm. and i was able to dig in and start finding out what i believe because i could bounce this shit off of somebody man my head gets fucking crazy right you know my right. head gets so just scattered. Oh yeah. Yep. From time to time, you know, and it'll usually start with some sort of fear, discomfort, and then it'll grow into some fucking monster and having somebody that I can call and relate back to where I'm at in the step work, um, 
is a huge help. It's a huge benefit to my psychological wellness, man. And so um, being able to do that stuff with the guidance of a person that's, that's uh, well rehearsed in it is, is beneficial to everybody in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Like and having a sponsor isn't just you and him. Like everybody benefits from you having this relationship unlike anything else that you can find anywhere else. And we're not saying that you have to have a sponsor to be sober, you know, in, in the big book of AA is designed that you could do it without the help of another person. Like the, the way that it's written, you know, you could be living alone on a farm and you could work the steps by yourself out of the big book. You know, it's not necessarily not a requirement for you to, to have long-term sobriety, but it is, 84% higher. Yeah, you do. It's going to be a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. And, and it is, Yeah, it is a lot easier mm-hmm. because he's going to sit down with you as you're walk, working the steps and he's going to give you examples of his own life, his or her own life. Um, where when in that exact same situation, like at nine months sober and you're working the ninth step, like these are the things that happened to him in his ninth step right. that he experienced that helped him get through it and what he spoke about with his sponsor. And now he's sharing it with you. And now I'm, you know, for me, like that was a big deal for me to know that he was going through some crazy shit with his night step and give me specific examples of what that was like for him. And then, uh, I was able to go through hard shit in my ninth step in 10th step or fourth step or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and being able to call somebody and be like, I don't know what to write about my sexual inventory or, 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 you know, I don't know what this means by character defect or whatever. And he has examples of that. And, and I'm able to sit back and listen and go, okay, now I can relate that to my own life. And I can add that to my program of sobriety, my program of recovery to help me create long-term sobriety through spiritual principles that he's trying to teach me, you know, Um, it's like you said, he benefits from it and it is part of his program. And so this whole thing is like this, this, um, uh, ecosystem of wellness. Like it, it, it all needs to be part of it. And I'm not saying it can't grow without one part or the other, but Mm -hmm. it, it does work better with all parts involved. Yeah. Well, and, and too, like with that, and I, I just want to say like, um, even though I can recognize that this is a part of his program, it's not okay for me to take advantage of, of, of that either, you know, right. like, um, because I think that sometimes there is the temptation to, um, uh, I, I want to just want to be very careful about how I put this because like, I, I know that there's been times with, you know, my sponsor where it's like, I'm not, showing up on time or, you know, whatever the case is. And it's like, dude, like, you know, uh, like you, I, you have to be respectful of my time because like, I'm willing to show up and I'm willing to be here for you. But if you're not going to be respectful with my time, then there's absolutely better things for me to be doing. Um, and so I think that, you know, even though I know that this is a part of his program, um, it's not okay for me to, to just assume that that means that he's willing to do whatever, 
you know, according to my schedule. Yeah. I love how you're bringing up different points of sponsorship that I wasn't thinking about. Cause you're right. Like there's that, there's also the clinger, like, like the person that's just right. super clingy and can't fucking make any decisions without a sponsor, mm-hmm. you know? And then there's, there's the sponsor that takes on the role of the new guy and it tries to save him to death. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, which I've, I've been all those, you know, I've, I've, I've been the guy that hasn't been able to trust myself and tell my sponsors like, look, you're fine. Go fucking. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh, uh, okay. You know? And I, I've, I've been the guy that didn't show up on time. Right. You know, I've been the, the sponsor that's chasing down the sponsee, you right. know, trying to get them sober and, and, and all that stuff. I think it, it just comes with experience to, to where you kind of def- you fine tune your sponsorship as who you are and you fine tune your, your sponsee ship, I guess is what, what would you call that? As a sponsee, you kind of fine tune your relationship there, you know, as if I'm going to be this person's sponsee, you know, I'm going to be this type of sponsee, right? You know, um, you got your low maintenance sponsee, your high maintenance sponsee, your, 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 your sponsee that, as soon as they're done with step 12, go to, go to step one again, you got mm-hmm. your, your sponsees that go years in between, but, um, there's, there's all these different ways to do it, I guess. But, uh, you make a great point as far as being respectful to each other in that relationship, you know? Yeah. A huge deal. Yeah. It's, it's a huge deal. And, and the thing is, is that I think, I think that it's important to, to just bring up that, you know, like I, I, have to be willing to to go to any lengths for my sobriety and and that means you know getting with another dude and talking about things that I don't want to talk about and in doing so in such a way that that I'm open to the suggestions that come from this person and I'm open to a new way of of being and living and interacting with people mm-hmm. and so you know this person's often going to throw things at me that I don't like to hear, but if I'm open to it and, and I can trust too, that this person has done the things that they're asking me to do. And that's why, like, like you were saying with any of these situations where it's like, I can be the kind of sponsor that's, that's clingy. I can be the kind of sponsor that's, um, that wants it more than this person. That's why it's so important that I have a sponsor, right? Sure. my sponsor has to have a sponsor because when, when I find myself in these situations where I'm like, dude, this dude, like I gave him this work and he's just not doing it. Like what, what, you know, what should I do? That's why I have a sponsor that I can ask those questions to so that he can say in my experience, like if, if I give something to the dude and the dude isn't doing it, this is what I do. And it's like, okay, great. Like I know how to be a better sponsor because I have a sponsor right. and my sponsor has a sponsor and my sponsor's sponsor has a sponsor. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and in my case, like I've met all these dudes, like I literally have a lineage, you know, nice. that I've, that I've met and that I've interacted with and that, you know, I've attended meetings with and conventions with. And that is such a cool thing, yeah. you know, to see like, dude, like there's like six generations right here. Yeah. Of, of sponsorship. And, and, uh, and I, you know, again, it's, it's a relationship unlike anything that you'll ever have. Yeah. And, and you will get 
out of it what you put into it, right? right? And and you are not necessarily married to your sponsor if for whatever reason it's not working out your you know, because you may pick a sponsor that's just not working out for you at a time. Yeah, it happens. Or um, you may take on a sponsee that's not working out for you. Also and happens, it, and, yeah. it, and it's okay to have that conversation, you know, because ultimately at the end of the day, uh, what we're trying to do here through sponsorship, step work, meetings, service, and, and all that stuff is save our lives from the disease of alcoholism, drug addiction, which we carry. And so um, being honest about relationships that aren't working or aren't beneficial to both of you is definitely something that um, you probably should take consider so that resentment doesn't grow and, you know, all the negativity that comes along with, with having things that you don't want mm. that aren't working, you know. It's okay to change sponsors. Your sponsor probably already knows. <laughs> yeah, I, I guarantee that if if you're not feeling your your sponsor, that sponsor is also not feeling you. Like yeah, it's, probably. It's generally a two way street. It's not. I don't think you're ever going to catch your sponsor off guard by going. I just don't feel like it's working. I yeah. don't think you'll ever have a sponsor that's like, really. I thought we had. <laughs> I thought we were I, vibing. Yeah, you know, because like it, it really is like a, it has to be this fluid relationship, and yeah. I think that. There's no problem with with asking until you find one that works. It's yeah. just like a therapist, even though your sponsor is not your therapist. No. It's just like a therapist, though. Like in my my experience with therapy is you've got to find one that works for you, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily going to be the first one that you go to. Yeah, the great so. the great the great fact of it is is that you know we're we're very fortunate to have a fellowship built around one alcoholic helping another. Absolutely. And and it's likely that if you've met a person that has enough uh, recovery behind them, and when I say recovery, I'm talking about sobriety along with step work, along with um, active service within the fellowship, along with a willingness to give that away. That's, that's what I'm talking about is that type of thing. If you found somebody like that, they know how you feel. And they think how you think. Right. And they have been where you've been, both in and out of the rooms. And so it's okay to kind of let yourself go, trust in the process, see what happens, and navigate yourself through it. Because for me, sobriety is so much better than active addiction. It, it has been for a very long time, and, and I dare say it's going to continue in that. And, you know, again, like, it's okay to get uncomfortable. And, and that's part of why we, we chose this as a topic, right? Um, Marty's talking about him getting a sponsor and how uncomfortable it is to ask another person to take on that role. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and we spoke about it a little bit, but that's what I remember is that unease, that, that lack of confidence, that, unsure feeling that goes along with um, putting myself out there to be vulnerable enough to get honest enough to 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 recover from the disease in which I have and so um, yeah I dig it it's necessary yeah it's for me it's it's necessary and and uh, and Marty you know talking about 
getting a sponsor and that sponsor's role and, and the point that he had to get to, to where he was willing yeah. to ask somebody, um, and the things that his sponsor, you know, had him do and told him to do like, yeah, there, there are things that he still applies to his life each day now, now yeah. that he's, he's 20 years sober. Yeah. Um, and, um, and yeah, it's a great story. Yeah, it is a great story and I'm excited to share it because, uh, Marty and I have some history, and so it's, it's pretty cool. And, and I can't wait for everybody to hear this story. Those of anybody that hasn't heard it will get a lot out of it, I'm sure. So, what do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Without further ado, here is Marty's war story. So my name is Marty, and I am an addict. Uh, my story. It really isn't much different than than most of us that come in the rooms. I uh, I started using at an early age. Uh, I think I tried marijuana for the first time when I was around eight. No big deal. Had an older brother that uh, introduced it to me. No big deal. At nine years old, I uh, I tried alcohol for the first time. And, uh, and I got very drunk. Um, we were drinking Jack Daniels. My mom was at work and my brother had his older friends over and stuff. And I got drunk and my mom came home and she thought that I had the flu. And so she took me to the hospital and, uh, they ended up having to pump my stomach because I had drank so much alcohol that I mean I guess it it was life-threatening for a nine-year-old child and something happened then that changed me I I loved it you know I didn't like the the stomach pump the hospital I didn't like that but I liked that euphoric feeling that everything went away you know I uh somehow I just, I, I liked that feeling. And so any chance that I got after that, I wanted that feeling back. And by the time I was 12 years old, I was seeking alcohol daily. And, uh, and that of course led into, to other things, you know, the smoking of the pot and things like that. And I think I was about 13 13 years old when I was introduced to cocaine and that took me to a whole, whole new level of life. And by the time I was 14 years old, I was sticking needles in my arm and I lived that lifestyle. You know, um, like I said, my story is not a whole lot different. We, we did what we did. And, you know, with that came, trouble, constant trouble. I was in and out of juvenile homes. I was arrested for child in need of supervision. And by the time I was 15, I was sent to a drug drug rehab for a 28 day evaluation. And they kept me for five months. And, uh, you know, I, thinking back, 
I thought maybe maybe I, I something was wrong with me, but at the time I always I always blamed everybody else. You know, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I uh I was just a victim. And so I uh I got out of that drug rehab and immediately started getting loaded again and continued this this journey at age of 16 I was arrested again for attempted murder and uh once again wrong place wrong time you know I uh I didn't I didn't see the drugs and the alcohol as my problem and this was my life this is how I lived and in and out of jail, in and out of reform school. And as I got older, um, it still never occurred to me that I had a drug and alcohol problem. I was 17 years old and I was in a boys school for some drug and alcohol related stuff. And I had got busted while I was there selling dope in the boys school and the day I turned 18 they sent me to the state penitentiary so once again you know I'm a victim it's it's not I don't have a drug and alcohol problem um you know and and throughout all of this my life I uh I'd get in trouble and they would send me to AA or they would send me to NA and I'd have to get this court paper signed and I can remember thinking, you know, I will never be one of you losers. You know, I will never be that guy. You know, I just, I'm in the wrong place. It's the wrong time. I'll never be you. And I get out of there and I had, like I said earlier, I had an older brother who pretty much showed me the ropes and everything I did. Well, he had moved away to Phoenix, Arizona and he he died to this disease this disease killed him he shooting dope down there in phoenix he contracted aids and um and you know back then they didn't have the medications and stuff they do today and it killed him and i used his death as another excuse to get loaded and for the next couple of years, I was on a terror of selling, using, feeding my addiction, and never owning anything of mine. You know, I, uh, I was on the streets. I didn't have a place to live, but I always had a sack. And uh, so I had a place to crash. And I never, I still never thought that I had a problem. And so about three years after, after my brother passed, I, uh, I got arrested again. And this time I was arrested for conspiracy to possess and deliver methamphetamine, marijuana, and cocaine. And I can remember at that point when they raided my house or a friend's house that I was at when they raided the house I can remember them throwing me on the floor 
and sticking the paperwork under my face that said the United States of America versus Marty Evans. And for the first time, I thought, maybe something's wrong with me. Maybe something is wrong with me, you know. And uh, long story short, I go to federal prison, and they sentenced me to nine years. And I, uh, I knew something was wrong. I went to a drug treatment program while I was in there, and I just wanted a better way to live. And, but I didn't want this program that you people talked about to me, you know, and so when I, I did my time, I did five years straight in there. And then I had to do, give them four years on paper. When I got out, I had stayed clean and sober for those five years. So I had it figured out and I, uh, I got out and I wasn't going to go to meetings. I wasn't going to do nothing. I was just going to work. I was going to become a productive member of society on my own. I didn't need your help because I wasn't a drug addict. I just, I needed some help staying away from it. And prison gave me that. So I thought I had a beat, excuse me. And I, uh, I ended up getting a pretty decent job and thought I'm not doing dope. So I'll just drink some beers after work with the guys. And it didn't take very long and I was back in full swing. You know, I, uh, I had managed to somehow beat the system for about the first three years of my paper. And I never got really caught up, but I uh, decided in my last four months of my paper that I was done reporting to the federal government. And I thought, but by this time, you know, like I said, I was back in full swing. I'm, I'm using daily again. And uh, I just, I'm not going to report to you people anymore. I've given you all this time. I'll just hide out for the next four months. And once my number's done, I'm done. Well, it doesn't work that way. So they left the probation and parole office left a note on my door and said, if you do not report within 24 hours, we're going to violate you and it will be an escape. Well, for the feds, that's a mandatory minimum of five more years. And I was like, man, I better report. I went to the parole office and the guy looked at me and he says, you know, I gave him my whole spiel about how I was going to beat the system. And he says, you know, I'm not going to pee test you. I know you're dirty. He said, but I'm going to give you an option. You can go to rehab or you can go back to prison on a violation. And I said, well, how long is the violation? He said, 11 months. And I said, 11 months, I'll take the 11 months. I'm not going to no fucking rehab. I don't, I don't need rehab. And he said, I'll tell you what, why don't you think about it for the weekend? And I said, okay. And over the weekend, I thought, huh. 28 day rehab, 11 months. I'll just do this 28 days, you know, and had a moment of clarity, I guess you could say, you know, and so, <laughs> so I go to this rehab and um, it didn't work, man. It didn't work for me. I, uh, I got out and I had to report as soon as I got out, I had to report to the feds 
and I went in front of a judge and he said, you've given us all the time. Go live your life. We'll either see you or we won't. And within three weeks, I caught another case. And it was, it was a, a deal where I had ran into a guy that owed me some money for a drug deal. He didn't have any money. And now I'm getting my life back together. And uh, so I tell him, I said, I want this surround sound system out of Walmart. I'll take you in and I'll show you which one it is. And uh, so anyway, we go into Walmart. I show him what it is. I leave. About 20 minutes later, this guy comes out, opens up the truck door and says, come with us, takes me in this little room. And uh, he, the guy turns around and looks at me and they say, is this him? And he says, yeah, that's him. So they send me to jail for conspiracy to shoplift. I wasn't shoplifting. I just had instructed somebody to shoplift for me. At that point is when my life changed. At that very moment, I said, something's got, something's got to change, man. I've got a problem. So anyway, they gave me a habitual offender, sent me to a state penitentiary in New Mexico, and I knew that I was done. And I got out, and I went to the parole office, and she gave me her whole spiel, what they expected of me. And she never said nothing about AA or NA meetings or anything like that. And so I said, hey, I, I got a, do I need a paper to get signed at your meetings or anything like that? And she said, no. She said, you've been doing this all your life. She said, you need to make a decision what you're going to do. And I said, okay. And I left that meeting or I left that parole office and went straight to a meeting. And I walked in that meeting, didn't know not a single soul in there. And I just felt like I was at a place where I could learn the secret to recovery. And uh, like I said in the beginning, I didn't trust you people. I didn't like you people. I didn't use with you. I didn't steal with you. I didn't do none of that with you. But there was people in there staying clean. So I wanted that. So I sat in the room with my back against the wall where I could see the door and I listened. And uh, you, got, you, you guys started talking about God and you started talking about um, step work and all this stuff. And I thought, man, I don't want this part of it. I just want to stay clean. You know, I don't want to go to prison no more, but I don't want God and I don't want step work. I don't want that, but I stuck around, man. I stuck around and it doesn't matter what we're doing in our life. If we do it enough, we're going to catch on to certain things I feel. And so after a year or so of being in that room, I figured I needed a sponsor. And so there was a guy in there, an old biker dude, and I uh, asked him to uh, sponsor me. And he says, you know, he says, uh, I don't really think you got a snowball's chance in hell staying sober, man. But, uh, but we'll give it a shot. And I was like a little kid, you know, my lip all hanging out, pouting. 
And I said, okay, what do you want me to do? And he said, uh, I want you to go home, go to bed, get up in the morning and make your bed and then go to work. And I was like, man, what is this guy? What the hell is this all about, man? I don't know. I said, why do you want me to do that, Roy? <clears throat> he said, Marty, he said, that's what normal people do. They go home from work, they eat dinner, they go to bed, they get up in the morning, they make their bed and they go to work. And if you want to stay clean and sober and you want me to help you, let's start right here. And for some reason, that clicked for me. That clicked for me. And uh, still to this day, my bed's made every day. Every day. I got with my wife. And when we decided that we were going to play house, I asked her, I said, I said, do you, uh, do you make your bed? And she looked at me all weird. And she's like, most of the time. And I said, most of the time won't work, man. <laughs> you you got to make your bed every day. And uh, so today, you know, we, uh, we make the bed in our house. So, you know, uh, I, I just want to say, you know, most importantly that I got clean and sober through a 12 step program and I stay clean and sober through a step 12 step program. Um, you know, and, and I refer a lot to you people and to the higher power because I truly believe that it was the higher power and you people that, that saved my life. And uh, today I am 19 years, 10 months and 12 days clean and sober. And so, you know, something, something changed in me that day. I walked into that NA meeting and, uh, and I'm grateful today. I live the life that I used to lie about. Today, I have a beautiful family. I have a beautiful home. I have, you know, a, a good job, you know, and, and I owe that to a 12-step program and you people, you know, and, and we're going to be doing great things together, you know, for the recovery community. And so really, in a nutshell, that's my story. I, uh, I'm grateful to be here tonight, you know, um, I can't wait to share more about this podcast in person and especially my story with Willie. And when this shit comes out, man, it's going to be unreal, but I'm glad to be here tonight, you know, and, and I just thank you. Thank you, Cameron, for, for inviting me. And that's, that's my story in a nutshell, brother. So yeah, follow me on Instagram. You know, that's, that's another thing that I didn't get into in this part of my story is how the recovery community on Instagram has skyrocketed my belief in this fellowship. And so my Instagram is Marty Evans, 2001. And uh, yeah, go follow me. And, you know, we got good things going. The other thing that I'd like to share is, is go follow Valor Fitness Clothing and Valor Fitness Rising. Go follow them because big things are happening. Yeah, we are definitely going to be doing some great things, man. You know, and very nice shirt, Marty. For those who are just listening, we're both rocking both that. rocking that worth the work shirt. Worth the work shirt. Which you can get so. online at the other side of hellpodcast.com. 
for sure. You know, I just, uh, thank you, Marty. That was uh, such a great story, Marty, and such a cool experience. Like we, uh, so I, I set up this, this call with Marty uh-huh. just to give everybody a little bit of insight. I set up this call with Marty and then I told you about it and you were like, I got it. I'm going to hop on that call because I swear like Marty is from the same area that I, that I got sober and I want to talk to him about a few things. And then, so you hopped on and, uh, and we started talking to Marty together and then all of a sudden you and Marty just took this like 15 to 20 minute (laughs) trip down memory lane because it yeah. turns out you guys know each other, like, yeah. right? Like yeah, I, I went to treatment in Rock Springs, where he's from. And um, when we were in treatment, they would take us to these crazy NA meetings, you know. And at the time, Marty then had like a year and a half or two years clean when I was in treatment. And, and we frequented the same meetings. And it, the more we talked, the more we knew each other. And Marty, Marty now... You know, when we got this story, he had 19 years, however many days. He has over 20 years now. Yeah. You know, so congratulations. Congratulations. That, Thank Hell you yeah. so much, you know. And, and and ever since then, you know, we've been we've been talking and, and uh, staying connected. Uh, I went out there to Wyoming for his 20-year, uh, one of his 20-year celebrations. And, you know, we just continue to grow, getting closer and closer. And, and the more I hear his story, the more I relate with who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's been, it's been pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, I love it. Pretty awesome. And like I said, I mean, and, and that again is sort of one of the reasons why I asked you at the start of the show, like, do you see that as a God shot, quote unquote, God shot? Sure. You reconnecting with him? Sure. I, I can't think of anything better to call it. You know, I mean, the way that everything came together through, you know, having this platform on Instagram and then. Marty won our, uh, our giveaway, one of our giveaways, why he's wearing that shirt, kind of introduced him to the show. And then that introduced us with valor, you know, um, and one thing led to another. And the cool thing about it is the more I talked to him, the more I connected with him. And, and to the point where, uh, I thought, fuck, I need this guy to walk me through the steps. He Mm -hmm. has some shit that I want. And so I asked him if he'd walk me through the steps and that's where, we sit currently, you know, and it's, it's just an honor to be able to, to do this with somebody with so much time and experience. And obviously, you know, just his story hits me on so many levels with starting so young, Mm -hmm. getting in fucking trouble all the time. Yep. You know? Yeah. Having his stomach pumped at nine years old. That's uh, that's, that might be a record. Yeah. I've heard. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to see, like what came first right like that 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 it's hard to answer the question of was i born an alcoholic or not mm. you know but once i drink an alcoholic's born and and that seems to be the story with a lot of us but he was ready to burn his fucking life to the ground forever yeah because he felt that comfort that yeah. sense of comfort that came from it you know and then he 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 did he got into a lot of trouble uh which he which he gets into and you know, went to juvie at 16. Yeah. In jail at 18. And, you know. Prison. They, and, they sent him straight to prison. Yeah. In juvie. Oh, that's right. And, and, uh, and rehab at 15. Yeah. And in all these instances, it wasn't his fault. Yeah. Right. Like. I didn't have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Drugs and alcohol were not the problem. Yeah. And it wasn't until, and I just love this moment. I think I remember listening to it and, uh, and, you know, when he was sharing it with me and I, I laughed 
when he said that, you know, they threw the papers down, like they broke down his door, <laughs> they threw the papers down in front of him and it said, you know, the United States versus Marty Evans. And he was like that, that was the moment uh, yeah. Ooh, where I thought maybe, maybe I have a problem. Maybe I have and I was it. just like, and I laughed because it's so incredible to me, the things that we, that we have to go through yeah. before we come to that conclusion, before, yeah. before we go. Okay, it might be the drugs and alcohol. Yeah, it wasn't the fact that he was homeless right. in somebody else's house that he was using over his brother's death that he couldn't fucking stay draw sober breath for years and years. And, and you know, I mean, 20 minutes isn't very much time to really get into the amount of detail that goes into a life lifetime of fucking drug addiction, you know, the gunfights and fucking... Mm -hmm in and out of jails and the, the broken relationships and the drug deals that went bad and the fucking crimes that were committed. There, there's so much there. And then it boils down to, you know, when, when you get served papers like that, it's not for every crime that you've committed. It's for usually one or two yeah. that you got caught for. Right, right. Right. And so there's a whole lifespan of, of darkness and all that. And, and finally that's the point where he's like, well, maybe, but yeah. you know, it didn't, it didn't stick. No, no. You know? And then he And it usually doesn't. Yeah, he goes to yeah. federal prison, gets out, does okay on paper for a while, and then goes back, gets out, goes back, you know, gets the opportunity. And it's so fucking hard-headed, which I could relate with. You know, fuck your treatment center. <laughs> I'll I, do I'd, the 11 months. I'd rather do 11 yeah. months. Yeah. And then come back around and like, well, fuck, I guess little vacation 28 day or whatever Dude, and, and kudos to his po i was thinking that like his parole officer could have been like hey let's go to jail but his, yeah. his parole officer was like why don't you take the weekend yeah and he did and then he sort of came back around to okay like i'll do the 28 day <laughs> yeah i yeah. thought you might say that yeah exactly you know but it's it wasn't until it was finally his choice that it fucking stuck right when it, when his Another PO was like, I don't give a fuck what you do. Yeah. Go to meetings. Don't go to meetings. You know, you've been you, doing this your whole life. You dude. fuck up. You're done. Right. Like, like it's your choice. And so he fucking goes to a meeting and gets clean. Yep. <laughs> Pretty damn amazing. <laughs> yeah. And it has been clean for 20 years. 20 years. Because he got to that point where he was like, you know, I'm going to ask this motherfucker to sponsor me. And he didn't know what the fuck, you know, and, and he gives a great example of that, you know, feeling like feeling like a little kid asking for help, you know, and sitting there in that booth just waiting for him and then getting slight rejection right off the rip, you know, mm -hmm. which was probably obviously good for him, you know, and getting told, you know, like, fucking, you're not you, you, you ain't the one. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. seen this shit show, but he was, you know. And, and I think that's a, that's a huge, uh, testament to, to sponsors being willing, you know, to regardless of how we feel. Right. Cause right. sometimes you just don't you're like, fuck this, this kid. Yeah. I don't fucked. know. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure I was that kid. Yeah. You know? I've been both. Yeah. Like, fuck, there's no way in hell that you're going to stay sober, but we'll try it out. Let's see what you got. And, and the answer that he was given was so simple. You know, and that's usually the the way that it works, right? Go make your bed. Well, yeah, and and he says, why? Why do I got to make my bed? Because that's what fucking people do. <laughs> and just the simple nature of that, like, dude, like, make your bed and go to work. 
Why? Because that's what fucking normal people do. Yeah. And that's something that he still does today. And like, that's usually how it works, dude. It's like, I'll bring something to my sponsor and he'll hit me back with something so fucking simple that I've just, I just feel dumb. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. You know, but I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Because dude, if I spend weight, I am my own worst enemy. If I spend too much time in my head, I will complicate the shit out of anything. You're so bad. I got to have a sponsor that just tells me, dude, stop waiting for perfection. Right. Just fucking do something. Perfect in action. <laughs> Perfect in action. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we have alcoholism, mm-hmm. right? The disease of alcoholism. You know, it starts with enjoying the way that the shit makes me, makes me feel. And then it consumes my life to the point where I burn it to the ground, trying to maintain that feeling. And so does my sponsor. He has it too. And so, you know, just being able to go through and, and have somebody to rely on and know that they're going to be there and just help out with that kind of shit, you know, over time, you know, you get to know where, you, you know, you know when you need to call Ben. Right. You know? Yeah. It's not always easy, you know. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times, you know, I find... Uh, I'll think about calling you or, you know, calling Marty or calling whoever, um, the thought will cross my mind and I'll automatically like reject it. Like, I don't need to call them right now. And it'll come up again and I'll reject it and it'll come up again and be like, I'll, I'll call later. Call later. And then, you know, today I know like fucking, you know, if it happens three times, like dial the phone, just do it, dial the phone. Mm -hmm. They might need you. Yeah, and that's the and that's the one thing I have to think about oftentimes is like because I will I will try and talk myself out of it because that's just what I do right like mm-hmm. I, I will ah no you know it's probably not that big a deal like I, do I really need to no I'm sure I'm fine but then but then I have to remember like well maybe they need it like, mm-hmm. you know like maybe I can just call and you know see if they are doing okay yeah like, and and get out of self for just one second get out of self. You know? So yeah, I I appreciate that. I Marty, your story was yeah. amazing. Love listening um, to it, it every great. time. I, and and you know, he's absolutely right. We are going to be doing some really exciting things together. Yeah. And, so, uh, thank everybody. you for sharing your story, bro. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. So, yeah, what do you think? I think it I think that was a good show. <laughs> good. Good show. Yeah. Good topic. Yeah, it was Definitely worth worth talking about. Yeah, it's kind of overdue. Hopefully, huh? hopefully, some people got some stuff out of it. You know, always contact us if you have questions or if whatever. If anything, it can just make me grateful for the relationship I have with my sponsor today. Yeah, grateful for the relationship I have with you. Yeah, grateful for the relationship I have with Jordan being back there doing his deal. Thanks, Jordan. You want to say hi? Hi. Perfect. Ryland, thanks for showing up and doing your thing. You yeah, guys thanks, can't Ryland. see those guys, but. That was a good high. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good high. You should probably now say bye. Yeah, don't say anything else. <laughs> no, do. And then, yeah. That's okay. Damn it. Yeah, all right. Yeah, let's get out of here. What do you say? All right, let's do it. Give me five. Uh, With that. We will see you on the other side. Remember, you are worth the work. 
The Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating. 